Well, hello, Kauai Bible Church Digital Campus. We are so glad that you are joining us today. My name is Pastor Danae, and I am the worship pastor here at Kauai Bible Church. If you're just joining us, we have been uh, going on a sermon series talking about being led or uh, about the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Aaron has done a phenomenal job of walking us through the gifts of the Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit as a person. So it has just been amazing to just uh, listen to him speak to us on those type of things and teach on those. Um, it is my honor and privilege to continue on, and I will be speaking about being led by the Holy Spirit. And um, for those who, of you who like titles, my title is What's in Your Garden? And um, if uh, you need notes, we do have them on our website as well as on our app. So you can find them there. And my thesis for today is, as Christians, we should be cultivating the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and cutting out things of the flesh. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. So let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he is with us, he is in us, he guides us, he leads us, he empowers us, and so much more. I pray that as we unfold your scriptures today, that you would bring about revelation, that you would bring about encouragement, that you would show us how we can live our lives, bringing more glory and honor to your name. And Father, I just I thank you for this time that we can learn more of just the different facets of who you are. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to start in Galatians 5, verses 16, 16 through 26, which most of you should be familiar with, is where we find the fruits of the Spirit. I will be reading from the Passion Translation. It is currently my favorite translation, so I just love the, the way that it words things. So I'm going to start in verse 16. It says, As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit 
within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with your self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So we may never be arrogant or look down on another. For each of us is an original. We must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. I just love that passage. I love that it gives all these descriptive things of kind of what we should be looking for and how we should be living. You know, the Holy Spirit puts in us these seeds. And they're, they're planted inside of us. And we just went through them. They're the seeds of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But left on their own, they lie dormant inside of us. And the purpose of a seed is for reproduction and multiplication. Now imagine with me, imagine that you want to plant a garden, right? So let's picture this. Um, we've got uh, an area picked out, maybe in our backyard. And we envision, you know, having tall green beans and tomatoes and maybe some strawberries or squash. Uh, how about some carrots? Let's throw in some onions. Um, you know, just different things, right? So we've got this all pictured. We may even write it down, right? Might draw a picture. And so we go to the store and we buy the seeds and we bring them back and we have them, but then we don't do anything with them. We just hold on to them. Well, there's a process that needs to take place before we can even put those seeds in the ground. And this process is called cultivation. So cultivate is to prepare or prepare and use for the raising of crops, to loosen or break up the soil about growing plants, to foster the growth of, to improve by labor, care, or study, refine. Right, so in the natural, what we might do to break up the ground, we might have to use an, a pickaxe or a shovel to kind of dig up maybe grass and roots. We might have to pull some weeds. Uh, sometimes we might need to use a rototiller to really get down in there. We got to get the rocks out. We got to get the soil nice and tender. Well, there's a process of doing that in the spiritual as well. And I love this because we actually just got done doing it. Um, with our church, we did a 21-day fast. It was called uh, Starving. It was a book by uh, Jess Strickland, and it was phenomenal. I highly re recommend it if you have not done it yet. But there were some key things in there that I loved that he walked us through. And so I want to share just a few of them today of things that will help us to um, cultivate the soil of our hearts and our minds. The first one is realization of God's love, right? We need to know that we are loved by a God who created us, not for what we do, not for just who we are, but because he created us. He loves us. Another thing we need to do is we need to be asking God to search our heart, right? David did it. Search my heart, oh God, 
right? We need to go down into those deep places, you know, maybe pull out some roots, get some rocks out of there. Uh, We need to discover what is keeping us from getting closer with God. This could be anywhere from sins to just simply distractions, right? I loved that we actually walked through this process, right? With our uh, fasting, we got rid of sugar and junk food. We took away, you know, dairy and meat for a little while. We took away media. And um, for those who really went gung-ho the last few days, we may have taken out all food and just only had water. And so we were finding the things that were separating us from getting closer to the Lord and allowing, taking those things out allowed us to get closer to him. Another thing that uh, uh, Jess Strickland talked about was forgiveness, right? We have to forgive others. We have to ask for forgiveness. It's a process that we need to walk through. Uh, We had to rid our lives of things, right? Again, getting rid of those things that are keeping us. Once we discovered them, we had to get rid of them. And ultimately, it gave us more time with God. So we could spend more time in his presence, more time praying, more time worshiping, more time reading his word, just being with him. So these things break up kind of the the ground of our minds and our hearts. Then we have to take it to the next step. So once we have broken up the ground, now there's some things that we need as we plant the seeds that are going to help the seeds to grow. In the natural, these are just a few of them. I'm sure there's more. Actually, I know there's more, but these are some of the main ones. So when you plant a seed, what you need to do next is water the seed. And the water is used for carrying the nutrients. So just like the water is carrying the nutrients of the, from the top of the soil down. So is reading the word of God. It allows for the truth to be carried into our hearts, from our minds to our hearts. There's the sun. The sun provides food for the plant through a process called photosynthesis. And just like the sun is creating that food, so does exposing yourself to the presence of God through worship and time spent with him, right? The more time we spend with him, the more we hunger and crave, and the more he fills us up. Something else might be climate. Climate affects how much plants grow. You know, here in Kauai, we have multiple growing seasons because the climate is so rich and the soil is so fertile, so we can can do that. But um, in Washington, which is the state where I came from, there's not multiple growing seasons. There's like one, and that's you get what you get in that time. And so climate plays an effect uh, to how much we get in our, from our plants. And just like that, we need to surround ourselves with a kingdom climate. We need to surround ourselves with like-minded, you know, believers who are going to speak life and hope and courage into us so that we can grow and and flourish. Um, Another thing is elevation. This affects exposure to sunlight and the amount of water plants can absorb. Um, Also in Washington, Uh, there was uh, this little berry that me and my family used to pick every summer, and it's called a huckleberry. Uh, 
And you have to go high up in the mountains to find it. And it thrives in higher elevations. It's, they do have some varied um, t- types, you know, in lower elevations. But the best ones are in higher elevations. So elevation plays that part. And we need to keep our minds set on things above. We need to have a kingdom mindset. You know, when my focus is on the Lord and my eyes are up, I don't have time to see what's going on down here. I don't have time to worry about what's going on because my focus is up here. And I'm seeing what is going on in the heavens. And the Lord is is showing us how to move forward, right? It's that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um. And then also another the uh, one that there is is pruning. <laughs> this removes the dead and dying branches, allowing for new growth. You know, this is not a fun process, but it's such a necessary process. We need to get rid of things that separate us from God. So now that we have our hearts and our minds ready with fertile soil... And we have all the things needed for our seeds to grow. Just sowing our seeds doesn't bear fruit. So cultivation is an important uh, for bearing fruit. So remember, two of our definitions for cultivate was to foster the growth of, to improve by labor, care, or study, to refine. I love this aspect of it. You know, there's many times where uh, we will go to the Lord and we'll say, Lord, please give me more patience. And then we get upset when we have moments that we, he gives us in order to practice having more patience. Which we really should have the mindset of, oh, thank you, God, for another opportunity. Because what happens is in those moments that we are given to test our patience, that is a moment that we can cultivate the seed of patience in our lives, where we can make it stronger, where we can see it flourish and grow. Um, again, I, I, love, I love the fruits of the Spirit. Um, as a mom, one of the things that I tell my kids all the time, we pray it almost every single morning, is that the Lord would fill us with the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, from time to time, we will even say, okay, um, I'll ask my kids, what do you think God is saying? Which, which fruit do you think God is, is asking you to work on today? And they might say, um, he is telling us to work on joy. I'm like, perfect. Okay, so what does that look like practically? Well, if they're going to school and they see a kid who maybe has a sad face, maybe they just smile at them. Or maybe they notice their teacher's having a bad day and they come alongside and encourage them, right? They're planting or cultivating the seed of joy in their lives. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Pollyanna. It is a very old Disney movie, but it's one of my favorites. It's about this girl who comes um, to live with her aunt. She's an orphan. And the town that she lives in, everybody's kind of grumpy and there's, you know, life is miserable for them. But person by person, she goes and she cultivates joy with them. And she's like, well, my father always said, think of something that makes you happy. And so she would get them to say something that made her happy. And little by little, she turns this whole town into this joyful place because she's cultivating the seed of joy. 
which then comes full circle because she has an accident in which she is not able to walk and she's not feeling very happy. And everyone from the town comes in and they begin to speak joy and life back into her. Another thing we can do is, um, another example is, how about self-control? As a parent, I would try to teach my children, no, you can't have sugar or maybe ice cream for breakfast. You need to exercise a little bit of self-control. Let's save that for dessert, right? But we face those moments in our lives where we need to have some self-control. Maybe it's an impulse of like, oh, I'm just going to check my phone, and then it, you know, we end up like, YouTube scrolling or something like that, right? And it it just goes off. But if we are able to start practicing and cultivating self-control in our lives, then when we're faced with a situation that maybe we are tempted to look at something we're not supposed to, we will have the plant now of self-control within us that is growing strong. And we can say, no, I don't really need to look at that. So we have multiple opportunities every day to cultivate those seeds within us and allow them to grow and be strengthened. Um, I did ask my daughter for permission to share this. Um, You know, we all have moments in our lives where we kind of start to fall apart and we kind of spiral down. And um, one of my daughters, she has had some of those moments. And one of the things that I learned um, actually from Melissa Helser was to ask her, hey, Claire, where is the Holy Spirit right now? Because obviously we're missing a fruit, right? If <laughs> she's grumpy, we are missing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in joy, right? So it's just those, again, it's keeping our focus on what, what can we do to really cultivate those seeds in our lives. Let's go ahead and go to Ephesians 5, 16 through 20. Again, I will be reading from the Passion Translation. This says, So be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. And don't live foolishly, for then you will have discernment to fully understand God's will. And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and your hearts will overflow with a joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. Keep speaking to each other with words of scripture, singing the psalms with praises and spontaneous songs given by the Spirit. Always give thanks to the Father God for every person he brings into your life. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and out of your reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. So what things do we need in the spiritual for our seed to thrive and be fruitful in our lives? We talked a little bit about the natural, right? The sun, water, climate, elevation. And I love in this scripture because it basically gives us what we need. The first one is to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, right? If we're pouring out, we need to be poured back into. And what greater way than to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Keep speaking words of scripture to one another, right? The word of God is powerful. And we can encourage one another by speaking life into one another. 
This is probably my favorite. Is worship with psalms, hymns, and spontaneous songs, right? The more that I spend in the time, in the presence of the Lord, the more I have him um, as a part of my everyday daily life, the more I'm going to want to be like him, and the more I'm going to look like him, and the more people are going to see of him. Give thanks to God for everyone he brings into your life. That means the person that just cut you off. That means the person who took the last ice cream. That means, you know, for me, it was somebody parking in front of my driveway. Those things is to give thanks for everyone he brings into our life because we do not know how the Lord is going to use that person. We do not know, you know, if he is actually taking that moment to cultivate something inside of us. And the, the last one uh, that is mentioned in this scripture is support others. We are in a body of Christ. We are not meant to be off on our own. We are meant to be encouraging one another, building one another up, you know, spurring one another on. So we need the support of one another. I want to take a moment and, and talk about quenching the Holy Spirit, right? Because if we, there's some things that we're missing and our fruit is not going to be very bountiful, in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it says, I'm allowed to do every, anything, but not everything is good. In uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, it says the same, but it goes further and says, I must not become a slave to anything. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 24 says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And don't be one who scorns prophecies, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test. And afterward, hold tightly to what has been proven to be right. Avoid every appearance of evil. Now, may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, the one who calls you by name. And is trustworthy and will thoroughly complete his work in you. So what does quench mean? Quench means to extinguish, to snuff out, or to put an end to. The same word can be used for describing snuffing out a candle. I found this uh, quote by Michael Youssef, and I thought it was really great in kind of describing uh, this whole thought of quenching the Holy Spirit. He says, this does not mean that we can permanently remove the Holy Spirit from our lives. The Spirit is indestructible in his person and inextinguishable in his strength. Rather, quenching the Spirit means we can resist something the Holy Spirit wants to do in us or through us. It is refusing to follow his leading, ignoring his warnings, and charging ahead to do things our way and in our own timing. We all come to crossroads where we have the opportunity to yield to the Holy Spirit or to quench the Spirit's work. We may sense that we are to serve in some way, to give money, to meet a need, or to change a destructive habit. To quench the Spirit is to say no to the Lord in these moments and to choose instead to pursue our own personal goals. Just as it is possible to disobey God even when His will for us is abundantly clear, it is also possible for us to live in such a way that the Holy Spirit withholds his power from our lives. You know, we talked about when we first read in Galatians some of the ways that we know we are quenching the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the cravings of self-life, manipulating others, temper tantrums, only thinking of yourself. If you are seeing some of these seeds, these acts of flesh in your life, they should be huge red flags, right? That there is something missing. There is a plant that is not being cultivated in your life. But if you are experiencing these things, there is also hope. Being led by the Spirit looks like living differently than the world. In Romans 8, 9 through 17, I'm actually going to read from the message version. It says, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. You see, we have a choice. We are not bound, we are not obligated, but we have an option. Let me define this. A choice is an act of selecting or making a decision when faced with two or more possibilities. And a decision literally means to cut off, kind of like an incision or scissors. I'm kind of, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. <laughs> you know, as we were towards the end of our fast, not the last three days, but towards the end of our fast, I had about three days where I was frustrated, I was irritable, I was not happy, I was just like mad at the world. And I was letting it affect me right? I wasn't cultivating good seeds. And I went on and I was telling someone my frustrations and I, it, like, it hit me. It was the craziest thing. I'm like mid-text, right? I texted somebody and I was like, oh my goodness, this thing 
is stealing my joy. It is stealing my peace. It is stealing my kindness. It's stealing my gentleness, right? And I was like, wait a second. It doesn't have the authority to do that. Only I can give it that permission. And I made a decision in that moment to cut off the access that I had given to that thing to steal all of those fruits in my life. And from that moment, things began to change. My attitude changed. My heart changed. I was chipper and happy again. Joy was restored. Peace was restored. You know, I had to go around and, and ask for forgiveness from my family. I had to confess to the, you know, we were not supposed to be complaining, and I was complaining, so I had to confess for that. But it's amazing that when I made the decision that things just changed. In Job 26, we read it last week, there was a line that hit me, and it says, whose spirit is speaking through you? That line has literally wrecked me for a week. Because you see in those moments... When I was letting frustration and irritation and anger, the Holy Spirit was not the one speaking through me. And I could feel it. But when I made the decision to change and allow for joy to come out, that spirit was much better. That was the Holy Spirit. You know, we have hope. We have a helper. We are not alone. You have the power of the almighty God, creator of the world, living inside of you. And being led by the Spirit is ongoing. It's a result of relationship, a result of time and energy and availability. Do we get it right every time? No. But thank God he gives us new chances all the time to cultivate those fruits, those seeds inside of us. The worship team can go ahead and come back up. Listen, seeds are not meant to lie dormant. Their purpose is to grow, produce fruit, and produce their own seeds to continue the process of reproduction. I want to challenge us with something. What if instead of making a choice, which implies many options to choose from, we instead make a decision, which means to cut off all other courses of action? What if we made a decision as a way of cultivating our gardens filled with the Holy Spirit so that we will bear fruit that is love, that is joy, that is peace? that is patience, that is kindness, that is goodness, that is faithfulness, that is gentleness, and that is self-control. What if our lives looked like luscious gardens, overflowing, bountiful, full, and thriving? How would that transform our lives and the lives of those around us? I want to encourage you, as the band plays, begin to ask God to show you what are some fruits that need some cultivating in my life? 
where are those red flags that are coming up that are acts of flesh? Where can I make a decision and cut off all other options? Father God, I just thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that is in our lives. Thank you that you are ever-present, that you want to be in relationship with us. We want to see our gardens thriving and growing and producing fruit, bountiful fruit. Show us right now how to cultivate those things. Show us the things that we are missing that allow for the sun exposure and water to carry nutrients, for the climate and the elevation. God, show us the pruning that needs to take place, what things we need to get rid of. God, show us how we can spend more time with you. We love you. Thank you.